0: Hi everyone, this is Ray from They Come Before Dawn. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Instead of the planned episode on Shoko Asahara, which will still air two weeks after this, we are doing a little special for you guys. Lawrence is going to talk about a murder, a myth and a mystery. So stay tuned for our very first special episode. And don't worry guys, I will be back in the next episode with everything you want to know about Japan's most evil cult. But for now, enjoy this special. Lawrence, the stage is yours. Thank you, Ray. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to They Come Before Dawn. This night's episode is going to be a bit different. As Ray has said, she's not joining me tonight for the taping of this episode. So it's just going to be me. No worries, the episode that we were going to make about Choco Sahara is still going on. It's just going to be delayed by two weeks. Um, this episode is going to be replacing that one. It's a They Come Before Dawn special. So, the idea of what is special is, I'm gonna talk about a murder, a myth and a mystery. So, without further ado, why don't we start with the murder. January 2020. After an anonymous tip, police find a tub containing cement and human remains in the channel Scheld rhine This uh, channel in the Netherlands. The human remains are confirmed to be the remains of Belgian plumber Johan van der Heyden. Johan was reported missing in June 2019, when he had a fight with his wife after he confessed to having an affair with a prostitute. Johan left that evening because he, quote, needed to save that woman, I won't sleep at home tonight, end quote. The next morning, his wife reported him missing. Johan went to that woman, That woman being a sex worker named Wanda. The two of them had a relationship. He was a regular client of hers and he also helped her pay her rent and her utilities. He was sort of like a sugar daddy to her. When he arrived at her home, Wanda drugged him and she robbed him. Johan did tell her some time ago that he had a lot of money saved because of undeclared work. And he had it stashed behind a radiator at his home. So Wanda and her boyfriend Nicky stole his keys and went to Johan's house the next day. When his wife left for work, they broke in and they searched for the hidden money. It was supposedly a half a million euros, which let's be fair is a lot of money. The search came up empty-handed. When they returned to their house, they started torturing Johan, which would eventually lead to his death both Nikki and Wanda have different stories about what happened. Nikki claims that Wanda gave Johan a lethal dose of a chemical called GBL. GBL is apparently part of the creation of the drug GHB. Wanda however claims that once they reached the house Nikki took Johan into another room and then she heard him shouting. Nikki then ran out of the room saying, and I quote, God damn it, the asshole is dead, end quote. However, this murder then takes a grisly turn because this murder is called the chainsaw murder. After Johan died, Nikki, Wanda, Nikki's ex wife Edna, and her daughter used a chainsaw to saw the body in three pieces. They used a fire tun to cremate the remains, which they eventually mixed into cement. And after letting it sit for a couple of days, dumped it in the Ryan Channel. All four suspects are now in police custody and their sentencing is set for September 1st, which would be in a little bit less than two weeks. The penalties they could receive are between 10 and 20 years that in my opinion is very low because killing someone and just having to sit in jail for 10 years sounds not like a correct punishment but that's the thing that happens in Belgium our law system our justice system is very very I wouldn't say very bad it's just non-functioning a lot of people do Grievously bad crimes. They do horrible things that should sentence someone to a lifetime in jail and They don't receive punishments that fit the crime. I don't know if it's everywhere in the world, maybe where you are listening from, it could still be the same, but in Belgium The sentencing you get, let's say 10 years, let's even say 30 years. That's more e- That's easier. 30 years is our max sentencing We don't sentence anyone Um, longer than 30 years. 30 years is a life in prison for us, but if you are on good behavior you can get a a reduced sentence and a reduced sentence means that you only have to do a third of your sentencing. So if you are sentenced to be in jail for 30 years it will mean that you will get out of jail in 10 years. So if one of these criminals, if one of these murderers would get 10 years that would mean that they could get out in a little bit more than three years. That's horrible. It's a horrible crime. It really stood out to me because the crime is obviously it's on a Belgian man. It's the crime has been committed not far from the border in in the Netherlands. So it's very close to where I live. I I think it's about a hundred kilometers away from me. So you get a sort of kinship in these situations. Um, if a crime happens in America, that really doesn't leave that much of an impact to me because the distance is so far, America is so far from where I live. Um, if something happens closer to home, that sort of creates a, a special connection to the crime. As also This crime has also been featured in a lot of newspapers and on the front pages. As you guys know, I deliver mail in Belgium, that's my uh, profession so one of the things i do is also deliver newspapers which means that from time to time i get reminded of this crime i get reminded by seeing it in the headlines and seeing it in the papers that makes this crime unique that was also the reason that i wanted to talk to you about this murder the next thing i want to talk to you about is well as most of our listeners know I am a huge fan of mythology, especially Norse mythology. If you listen to episode 0 you would know this. So the myth I want to talk to you about is one of the most interesting and downright bizarre myths from Viking culture. I will tell you all about Odin's 8-legged horse Sleipnir. So Sleipnir is the horse that Odin rides into Ragnarok. Um, The story starts right at the beginning of the Gods, when the Aesir created Midgard and they built Valhalla. Uh, Valhalla being Odin's Hall of the Courageous Dead. An unnamed builder came up to the gods, offering to build a wall for them. Uh, The only thing he wanted in exchange was the hand of the goddess Freya. So, the gods agreed to this contest, but they put some restrictions on the builder. Uh, He must complete the construction in three seasons, and with the help of no man. Uh, The builder, however, had one request. He wanted the help of his stallion, Svaluifari. I really hope that I'm saying this correctly, because it's a very difficult name and I'll be saying it quite a bit. So the gods allowed this. The builder and his his horse, Svaluifari, make quick work of this task, and three days before the end of summer, the task is almost complete. So the fact that he was almost finished three days before the end of summer Really alarmed the gods so the gods convened and they all agreed that Loki was to blame because of this situation he His influence got the Builder to use his horse for the after all So the gods declare that Loki will die a horrible death if he can't make the Builder forfeit his payment or if he can't make a brief so Loki hatched the plan and when the Builder gathered stone that evening out of the woods ran a mare The mare neighed at Swalufari, causing him to break free of the Builder's grip and chase the mare. The the two horses ran around all night, delaying the building work and causing the Builder to not complete the task. The gods, however, realized that the Builder was Hrintur, a kind of frost giant, uh, Jotnar. So the Aesir called for Thor, and Thor did what Thor does best, he smashed the giant's skull with his hammer Mjolnir. Loki, however, not much later gave birth to a grey fowl with eight legs called Sleipnir. He is, quote, the best horse among gods and men, end quote. Quote, the best horse among gods and men, end quote. So, that's a very interesting myth, right? It talks about the birth of Sleipnir. It's also very interesting, knowing that Loki is mostly portrayed as a male, as a man, how he gave birth to a horse, but in context of it being Loki, and it being Norse mythology, and him already having three children, um, and them always being these beasts, these um, animals, these bizarre creatures, it really doesn't feel that wrong to me, knowing all the other stuff about Loki, Um, but, however, I think this is a very interesting myth, and um, it's sort of like a funny story, actually, it doesn't really feel like a myth, it's just like a a joke tale, if, if you would understand what I mean by that. So, anyway, on to a mystery. So, the next thing i want to talk to you about are the stairs in the woods Um, the stairs in the woods mystery is actually a fairly known mystery Um, the way i learned about this phenomenon was on the original reddit thread called i am a search and rescue officer for the united states forest service i have some stories to tell so this reddit thread is written by a search and rescue officer for an unnamed national park in america the thread is composed of multiple stories ranging from impossible disappearances to sightings of cryptids to strange and impossible ways that hikers were rescued or they got lost. It's a very interesting story. Of oh, there are multiple very interesting there are multiple very interesting stories in them. However, the most bizarre and frankly strange story is the last one of the first thread. The story reads as such, and I quote This is the last one I'll tell, and it's probably the weirdest story I have. Now, I don't know if this is true in every SAR unit, SAR being Search and Rescue, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken, regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors and at this point we have all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at some point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out and put them in a forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some and the other of. and the other officer just told me not to worry about it, that I was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very emphatically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them, because it happens so frequently. End quote. This is the beginning of a multiple sequential threats, each with some stories about stairs. But in the second part, this person briefly talks about the stairs, how they all come in a variety of shapes, sizes, styles and conditions. They also give some examples of stairs they've found, like stairs that look like they belong in a lighthouse, some sort of cast iron staircase. They also explain that the stairs don't go up indefinitely, and that they really just look like someone copied stairs from a house and pasted them in the woods. In the third part, they tell a story of one of their friends who apparently had a close encounter with the stairs. The friend also works in search and rescue, and heard the same thing in training. You know, the part of don't go near the stairs, don't mind the stairs, and stuff like that. Curiosity apparently got the better of him, and after a year, he did go near a staircase. So, it was a staircase with carpets, really a luxurious type of staircase. It was in pristine condition, and it, did, it looked like it wasn't touched by wildlife or plants. It wasn't even touched by insects. He then decided to climb the stairs. Nothing extraordinary happened until he got to the top. The friend explains that he did not hear any noise, no wind or any other noise you normally hear in a forest. And that he then got an awful feeling that what he was doing was very well. So then he descended the stairs and resumed the search they were on. They were apparently looking for a woman who disappeared. However, the guy that trained this man apparently knew that he had climbed the stairs because the search they were originally on failed to find a missing person. Apparently the trainer knew at that moment that he climbed the stairs. How? I don't know. Part 4. The search and rescue officer talked to a veteran who has had a bad experience with a set of stairs. He talks about a family who reported their son missing. The boy was missing for a few hours and during the search for him, the veteran and his partner found a set of stairs. However, the partner didn't want to go too close to the stairs, but the veteran did. At the bottom of the stairs, he found the body of the little boy curled in a ball, clutching his stomach. So the body was then reported taken away for an autopsy. A week later, the veteran got a call from a friend of his who works at the sheriff's department. Apparently, the coroner had no idea how the boy died. The boy's innards were punctured, but he had no entry or exit wound. The guy explains that it looked like someone used a hole puncher, you know, The things you use to punch holes in paper and used it on the little boy's innards. However, there were no entry or exit wounds. So quite bizarre, very strange. Part 5 doesn't really talk about the stairs that much, except that the stairs are sometimes flipped upside down. It also had a little, a small part of a story where they talk about a guy who apparently gotten mad or gotten insane and started talking about the stairs how the stairs killed his father and they crawled closer to him and how he needed to get away from the stairs but the SAR but the search and rescue officer also explains that the guy had a lot of mental issues and that it's probably not related to the stairs part six doesn't talk about the stairs at all but part seven does it's also the final part it talks about a couple going on a camping trip when in the middle of the night, the husband wakes up to find his wife missing. He found her outside the tent, looking off into the distance. She was fast asleep, but had her eyes open. She was sleepwalking. The husband says that he could not get his wife to come with him, and that when he looked at where she was looking, he noticed a staircase. Shaking her awake, then he had no problem getting her back in the tent. She was very confused, He didn't know why she was outside of the tent, so he got her into the tent, they went back asleep, and that was it. So, as I said, it is the last part of this Reddit thread. It's the search and rescue officer apparently got into trouble for all the different stories they told, especially the ones about the stairs. And then they also explained that they will now stop posting the stories. I think this Reddit thread is so interesting to read. It has so much different stories and not only stories about the stairs, as I said, it also had a lot of stories about, uh, yeah, as I say, cryptids or someone being followed by someone else. And once they confront that person, that person does not have a face. So it's just blank, like a sort of like a doll, like a mannequin. Well a mannequin does have some features, but he doesn't he did have no features. it's just so many different, so many interesting stories. However, I think that the story about the stairs at least, I won't really talk about any different stories, just the stories about the stairs. I think they're fabricated. it just it just feels to me too much of a story as a fabricated story. It starts with this mysterious concept, the stairs and Nobody wants to talk about the stairs, and don't go near the stairs, and it gradually starts Blossoming just like a flower. You you see more of it Just like a flower you see more of the story talk to someone who has had an experience with the stairs Oh um, part two talks about the different stairs, and it just it just feels too much like a written story to me So anyway that was our mystery um, and that concludes our last part in a murder amid a mystery I want to thank you all for listening next time next episode we'll have Ray again I think it's good that we will have Ray again because I feel that the tone and the way the episode is made at this solo episode is made. It feels so different, and I miss my co-host. To be honest, I want her to be, uh, I want her to record with me, because she really makes the whole concept and the whole vibe of "They Come Before Dawn" so much better than if I did it solo. Um, however, I hope that you have enjoyed it. Um, if anything happens in the future where we would need to skip a, an episode, we will probably go back to a solo episode again, or maybe in a, maybe we. Or maybe you guys should uh, send us some interesting things to talk about. And we could maybe bundle them in a solo episode or in a special episode. I, however, hope that you have enjoyed yourself. And just let me know what you think about it. Send us an email at theycomebeforedawnpod at gmail.com. You can always find us on Linktree. We will be saying Linktree more because it has all of our different uh, social medias. So follow us on Linktree um at they come for dawn it has our email has our youtube our twitter our facebook our instagram link to our spotify even so thank you guys for listening thank you very much for listening and i hope you have a pleasant night and see you on the next one